is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the September 15th edition of Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, the courtside king, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, much like your Denver Broncos, I have felt a little defeated this week, a little tired after a long start to the week, but we're chugging along. We've had a ton of showcases happening. We had the Nintendo Direct last week. We had Ubisoft Forward on Saturday. This week is Tokyo Game Show. Uh, Tons of things happening there. So far, Xbox and Capcom have gone. We did get a Nintendo Direct as well as a PlayStation State of Play earlier in the week that kind of attached themselves to the Tokyo Game Show as well. So there's a lot happening in gaming and esports right now. That was an uncalled for cheap shot. I feel like Um, I got to take them when I can because I do think once your boys get going, they're going to be tough to stop just like the Mustangs they're named after. He only missed the field goal by like a yard. It was it was barely wide left. That's all I, I'm, I'm more upset about the two one yard plays uh, where they should have scored yet somehow found a way not to. You know, Joey, um, this would be a great conversation for our sports. Po- <laughs> I'm sorry, what was that? Canceled. Never mind. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Joey, I, I've moved on. Um, I have sulked for a couple days now. I, I need to move on. It's the start of a new week. Uh, I ran out of tequila, so unfortunately I do remember uh, that second half of that game, and I wish I didn't. Joey, um, did you know that we have social media that our listeners can follow to catch all the up-to-date stuff here on Level Up? Well, if you didn't, Joey, I'm going to fill you in and our listeners and our viewers here on Twitch. Nation, make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you are on Twitter... He talks trash about my Broncos all the time. So if you really want to follow him, you can. It's at Courtside King if you want to follow Joey. If you want to sulk in my if sulk uh, soak in my tears of of sadness uh, from the decision to kick a sixty four yard field goal uh, in that game, uh, go ahead and follow me at Fiasco. And uh, yeah, I'm just gonna leave it there. If you're watching on Twitch, there uh, the handles below the mugshot you're currently staring at. If you are listening to the podcast. The podcast, the podcast version of the show on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, there'll be in the show notes for you below. Speaking of podcast, Joey Nation, while the live show on Twitch is the place to be, have no fear. We understand you're busy. We understand you have lives outside of watching Level Up on Thursday nights. Uh, so it's okay. We have the podcast available. Just look up Level Up Podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. And extra credit. Earn Joey's love and affection, and maybe he will not trash your favorite football team uh, at the start of a podcast uh, by subbing to OTN. Make sure you use your Amazon Prime, Gaming Prime, whatever they want to call it, sub. Or uh, it is Subtober. Uh, Use that sweet, sweet discount. Smash that sub and follow button here on OTN and earn Joey's eternal love. And you get to bypass all the ads, which... Who loves ads? I don't. Uh, just right, a question. Jo- it's September, John. September is next month. We just got to keep our oh, months straight around here. I am <laughs> so ready for October. I'm so sick of this month already. Joey, uh, what 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 the hell are we talking about? John, we're talking about <laughs> showcases. Again, there's been so many. There's other news happening here and there. We'll touch a little bit on it. But for the most part, diving into the showcases, Disney and Marvel last week, uh, touching on briefly Ubisoft from Saturday as well. And then diving into this week's stuff, we have the Nintendo Direct. Uh, Sony State of Play with some God of War Ragnarok footage. Uh, COD Next was today as well, so diving into some of the Call of Duty news. With the Tokyo Game Show, we had Capcom giving us some Resident Evil, some Monster Hunter, all that goodness. 
and then Xbox also making some waves in Japan with their showcase this week. So we'll be touching on all those and then wrapping things up with the League of Legends World's Draw. Absolutely, Joey, we have our topics, but before we can dive headfirst in today's show, we need to touch on our beverages, our drink of choice, if you will, for today's episode. Joey, what are you sipping on for today's episode? John, I'm going with some screwball peanut butter whiskey. Ooh, great call. Uh, carried me through the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, it's hey. a fantastic choice there. And ended up carrying the trophy in the end, huh? Oh, left the cup, baby. Let's go, Avs. Uh, all right, Joey. So um, I'm <laughs> attempting to get through this. Uh, Hell's Cider. Uh, it's uh, from Hell's Kitchen, Gordon Ramsay, if you will. You can see that logo there on the sweet bottom if you're watching it live on Twitch. It's a little backwards, but you'll get over it. Um, this is the That's Forked flavor which is key lime, vanilla, and graham. Fun fact, Joey, is the Ooh. only flavor in this entire pack that does not taste like crap. So uh, it's like a key lime pie. Exactly. All the other flavors absolutely suck. It's a waste of $20. If they sold just this flavor alone, I'd be happy. So, Joey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour this. You'll see right there on screen. I'm pouring it. We're going to pour that into a cup. See, Right onto his keyboard, ladies and gentlemen. Nope. In fact, Joey... Is going right into this beautiful glass I oh. got from Aslan. Your 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 not sponsored, unofficial sponsor of the show. So I will be fancy and sipping on some seltzer via a beer glass because we're fancy here on the fancy beer glass at that. <laughs> mm. Nice little IPA mm. glass. The, the 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 aroma is that of of. Uh, sadness. Uh, Joey, we have our topics. We have our beverages. Let's get into our first segment, the gaming and esports news. And of course, the segment is presented by GamerBytes, bite-sized gaming esports news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today to receive the next edition of GamerBytes. If you're here live on Twitch with us, you can check out uh, that link in chat right now. And if you are listening to the podcast a little bit later, um, yeah, Joey will put it somewhere for you. Just make sure you follow it and and sign up today uh, for your, your free newsletter because we all love more newsletters. Joey, let's get into gaming and esports. Let's go. Absolutely, sir. Kicking it off again, Disney and Marvel, they had their first game showcase. Sure, Disney's done games before, but they usually throw it into someone else's showcase. This time, they decided to host their own alongside the Marvel brands. And, John, it went pretty well overall. Uh, a lot of people ranking this toward a C or a B for their first attempt. I would probably go towards C+, personally. A couple games stood out to me, though. It was a little mobile game heavy. Mobile games make a lot of revenue. Disney knows that. They have ones like Star Wars Galaxy Heroes. They have a Marvel one as well that does quite well uh, that I'm blinking on. Strike Force is the name of it, uh, as well as a number of other Marvel games out there that also make a lot of money. So they pumped a lot of mobile gaming, unfortunately. Not a ton of people are into it, but it does make a lot of revenue, so that was a little bit of a holdback for the show. But overall, we did get some gems. We'll show those who are live with us here on Twitch a few of them. Disney Illusion Island was one that stood out to me. Uh, this was a Nintendo Switch exclusive that kind of graced our screens throughout the presentation. They gave us a good amount of gameplay, talked a bit about it as well. It's really a Mickey Mouse co co-op platformer. I think there's four characters involved. Uh, Mickey, Minnie, Goofy, and Donald, if I remember correctly. 
all playable characters. It kind of has this unique art style to it. And again, pretty much a Mickey Mouse platformer. The environments handcrafted, everything hand-drawn, both the animation of the characters as well as the background environments. And this one, John, to me at least, looked like a lot of fun to play and something I'd be willing to dive into as someone who has kind of dabbled with platformers here and there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like it. I think it looks good. I... I am not a big fan of how Mickey Mouse has evolved over the years. <laughs> uh, he, Mickey and the gang look like they've been sniffing the bath salts down in Florida a little bit too much. Um, but yeah, this game is actually kind of interesting. I, I, I do enjoy a good platformer. Um, and I mean, Mickey is, is up there when it comes to iconic uh, cartoon characters or video game characters. Uh, I would probably put them. I don't know. Maybe it's a little controversial. I'd probably put the the rec the recognition uh, up there along with Mario. Very recognizable character th all throughout the world. Uh, you know, Mickey and Mario. I would say go hand in hand. Granted, when it comes to video game sales, Mario definitely has the upper hand. But that being said, uh, I'm definitely interested in this one. I think it looks great, and I think, um, yeah, if I had a Switch, I'd probably get it. Okay, so going back to your earlier point, the whole bath salts thing in the Mickey Mouse evolution, on a scale from 1 to 10, how many bath salts, with 10 being the most, has Mickey sniffed for the animation here? Uh, for this one, for the entire gang, I am going to say a baker's dozen. Uh, <laughs> look, the reason I say that is, like, you know what? I'm not going to get into it because it's like, it, it's like borderline body shaming, and we're not about mm -hmm. that here. Uh, poor Mickey has seen better days. Goofy looks like he is a recovering crack addict. Uh, is is I don't know what happened there, but Goofy looks like he needs to go back to rehab. <laughs> it's bad. It's John bad. is very opinionated on this animation here, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, so, like, okay, full disclosure, I came across this the last time I went to Disney. Uh, which was last? No, was it last November? I think I think it was maybe last November, last year in November. Um, and I was at the airport waiting for the shuttle, and they had this cartoon of of Mickey Mouse and the gang on loop. And I was like, "Is it just me, or did <laughs> did, did Mickey fall on hard times and resort <laughs> to hard drugs?" And like the 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 Disney, uh, I don't know if they're called cast members at the airport also, but they just kind of chuckled and they're like, "Yeah, the animations changed." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I get that. You want to change it up from time to time." Obviously, it's not Steamboat Willie style of of Mickey, and I applaud them for that. I really don't have an issue with how Mickey or Minnie look at all. It's it's mainly Goofy. Goofy, <laughs> Goofy needs to eat. Goofy needs to lay off the drugs. Goofy has seen better days. We'll just we'll just leave it there. Uh, but yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! You oh, so bad. Um, so with that being said, that's the first game here from the Disney Showcase we want to touch on. I like it. Again, I'm always a bummer when games go exclusive, but I get it. Disney, Nintendo, they go hand in hand with a number of these properties. With that being said, the next one is releasing on all major platforms. We're talking Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, as well as PC, and probably eventually on some form of mobile devices as well, whether it be from cloud or natively as an app. With that being said, that is Disney Speedstorm. Uh, guys, this is a game I feel like I have dreamed of, and many kids, many young adults, maybe even many older adults as well have thought about a type of game like this. It's practically Mario Kart using Disney IPs. 
So we're jumping from the Mario, the Luigi, and the Peach uh, to different people like Mulan and Ariel and all these Disney princesses and Disney characters. I'm sure Lilo will have a car and Stitch. Uh, so I, there's a lot of different cool ideas, and Disney's properties, again, are so big. You can also throw Marvel into this if you want. You can throw Star Wars into this with a pod racer. Uh, they just own so many different valuable IPs. With that being said, John, I think the idea of a Mario Kart game using Disney and just imagining all the different items that could be collectible in this as well, as far as like items to use, like your red shell, blue shell, whatever, uh, there's a lot of potential with this game. Joey, let's get down to business here, okay? Um, if if we're going to defeat our, our, our friends in this game, we need to make sure we pick strong characters. And I'm, I'm not talking about like, you know weak characters i'm asking for strong characters but joy i feel like you're gonna give me uh a weak characters like 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 a like a bunch of sad characters if you will um you know i i need characters that are that are trank the tranquil like the forest if you will uh but has a fire within really what i'm looking for is i need to find a way to make a racer out of you okay i i need to find a way to to, to beat you in this game uh, it's going to involve me, uh, you know, having downloads, obviously, and, and just absolutely kick kick your butt uh, at, at the end of the day. But to, to do that, I'm going to need the strength of a great typhoon um, and, and the strength of that raging fire, almost mysterious as, as let's say, the, the dark side of the moon, if you will. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for this, and I'm going to bring all of that out and beat you with Mulan. Simple as that. I, I'm impressed with the effort you put in there. You just kept Thank going. You. And I'm like, yeah, how just... long are these? How many did he have prepared for this? Like, wow. <laughs> was... Very impressive I... stuff. That was uh, tough. That was I'm actually tough. I'm pretty <laughs> sure she is in game, though. I think she is a launch character. Uh, we're also seeing some of the Monster Inc. characters involved here as well. So it looks like they're making an appearance. Mickey Mouse, obviously, uh, will be in there. And I'm sure Minnie and Goofy and Donald and all them will be as well. So, again, coming later this year, a Mario Kart-esque Disney racer launching on all platforms. I don't know the price. Um, I would hope this is free to play, but I actually don't 100% know. Um, it's Disney. It's going to cost. That's what I'm thinking, right? Ticket. It'll probably be a full $60 <laughs> game or so. So anyway, if you guys want to check that out, the beta, I believe signups are now open for Disney Speedstorm. Just go to the website. It crashed a lot on launch day, um, but it should be over there now. And then it's coming to major platforms soon. We don't have a release date, but I would guess they're trying to get it out by holiday 2022. Last but not least, John, is the Marvel project that caught my eye the most, and I'm pretty sure I caught yours as well. Uh, this one's helmed by Uncharted's Amy Henning. It's going to be Skydance New Media's untitled Marvel project. It's going to be a Marvel ensemble-based game around World War II era. There are going to be four playable characters in this. Steve Rogers, also known as Captain America. We have a jury known as the Black Panther. Uh, he was T'Challa's grandfather, if I remember correctly. We have Nanali, also from Wakanda. And then Gabriel Jones, who is like a, I believe, a U.S. military soldier. So we're going to have four different characters to choose from. I believe that also means co-op will be enabled within the game. And they're pretty much fighting against Hydra in this World War II era, trying to uncover Hydra, trying to take down some Hydra secrets. Uh, this, to me, John, is definitely one to watch. Again, the Uncharted writer being involved in the project. Uncharted as a series is phenomenal and really well written to begin with. I think those games play extremely well from the PlayStation camp. On top of that, using the rich Marvel IP, but taking it to a different setting. Not the typical, you're a superhero, let's go save the world setting where you're super powerful. This one sounds like it pulls it back a little bit and kind of gives you a little bit more mystery involved in a new and different setting. So I'm trying to pull up the video at the same time. Oh, yeah, you're good. I actually, does this one even have a video? It does. It does have a brief video. Uh, where is it? 
it's more like a cinematic video, if I remember correctly, just kind of giving little <laughs> hints to things. It's not really too much gameplay yet. And again, it is untitled, at least for now. Um, but overall, John, I love the idea of a Marvel game within the World War II era and kind yeah. of discovering Hydra and what's going on behind the scenes. And I feel like this is something that will tickle your fancy as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a big fan of the World War II era uh, style of video games. Uh, obviously, that's where like Call of Duty uh, really got its start. Uh, when it first came out, it was a World War II game. Obviously, it's evolved into a behemoth of a title that uh, has you going to outer space. Um, so they kind of abandoned the World War II aspect. I mean, really, we don't have too many World War II games also. But when you take a look at like a Captain America, his origin story, um, I think that's kind of cool going back to that era, back to, back to when you know Captain America became a thing, when the Super Soldier program uh, was initiated to to fight Hydra and in you know in the Nazis in World War II. So I think that's actually a really cool uh, era to go back to in Marvel cinematic history as well uh, for the beginnings of where Steve Rogers came from, becoming Captain America and, and kind of exploring that alternate reality of World War II with Super Soldiers. Uh, so I'm super excited for it. I, I I think it sounds amazing. Right, and it's something the comics have hit on. But as far as the movies, yeah. like it really was what just Captain America, maybe a little bit of Civil War. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, very few movies have kind of hit on that. So a lot of room to work with in the gaming industry on that one. With that being said, our next showcase in line is going to be Ubisoft on Saturday. We had a number of different titles touched on here, 15-plus games. It ran about 90 minutes long with a good chunk at the end of that discussing Assassin's Creed and some of the future projects coming to that franchise. With that being said, we'll hit on a few games here, kind of skate our way. We don't have 90 minutes to talk about the full showcase, but a couple highlights. Uh, Let's talk Sparks. So up front, we had Mario plus Rabbids and their Sparks of Hope game. This one's unique. It's very interesting. A lot of people describe Ubisoft's Rabbids as kind of the minions, per se, like DreamWorks minions of the Ubisoft franchise. Uh, They're little guys, little buggers that are kind of annoying and obnoxious, uh, but they also kind of play their role throughout the game. With that being said, Mario and company are going to set out to attempt to save the galaxy in this one from Cursa and her plan to consume the Sparks energy and spread dark mess across the planets. Uh, It's going to be a turn-based tactical combat game. On top of that, there are open-world exploration aspects as well, so we'll play a little footage on stream here. Um, But you get your iconic characters, your Mario, your Luigi, your Peach, and on top of that, you kind of get a rabid version of them as well as you play this XCOM-esque kind of... uh, It's like a wacky version of XCOM, right? You have the tactics aspects, but when you have these rabbits involved, how seriously can you take the game? It's kind of quirky and whimsical. Uh, That's all kind of packed together with this, and they are promising three DLC packs on top of that. Uh, The third and final pack will also feature a new character, and they went ahead and told us who that character is going to be, and that is Raymond, also a very popular Ubisoft character as well. Um, John, now that you're kind of getting a look at this too, what are your thoughts on the tactics aspects of Mario kind of coming in here and pairing up with these minion-esque rabbits? I think it's cool. It's not a game that I would necessarily play. Um, but I think it's different. I think it's unique. I, I like the I like the combination of the two different games here, uh, in the two sets of characters. I think that's really cool. I, it's it's Mario. It's going to sell. Um, it, it's it's going to be incredibly popular. Uh, and it's a different style of game that I, I don't think there's another Mario game out there like this. I can at least think of off the top of my head. Um, I, I think it's cool. I, I think it's going to be unique. It's going to be different. And I think people are going to enjoy it. Yeah, definitely a very unique style. This is the second game in this particular series, so it's a sequel to that. Um, But outside of Mario plus (laughs) Rabbids, I mean, no one really does this, right? Like, it's a very unique thing for 
Mario just in this sense with this partnership with Ubisoft. So definitely one to keep an eye on. Again, as John said, it's Mario, so it's going to sell pretty well, as did the first one. Um, but it definitely is not going to be a, a giant seller like a Mario Galaxy or even like a Zelda Twilight Princess or Breath of the Wild. It's not going to hit as big of notes. Next up is our sailing game, John. Uh, not Sea of Thieves, but Skull and Bones, the game that has been through development hell for many years. Uh, we know Kieran Thell over in the Discord is super stoked for this one. It's kind of a pirate sim meets Black Flag mechanics meets a little bit of a pirate management type of situation. Um, it, it's going to be an interesting one. There are certain things that I don't like about it, but other things that do stand out as a little bit more realistic than something like a Sea of Thieves game. Uh, with that being said, this one is set to take sail in November, early November, uh, as we will get to board our ship in Skull and Bones. John, for this one, we've got a new CGI trailer as well as a look at some of the ship customization. Yeah, um, I, I think it's cool. Um, obviously, all the delays and development uh, issues with it, it it's, <laughs> you know, it, it, it sucks. I mean, it sucks when we hear the, these game titles have a lot of hype around them that go through all these different uh, issues and struggles to get here. Uh, and then when it comes out, it's like you look at it, you go, okay, cool, this is great. And then the reviews that are come out, like, okay, cool, you know, if you play Sea of Thieves, ah, you, you actually may not like this game. Uh, if you played Assassin's Creed, uh, the uh, Black Flag, you may not like this game either. Uh, it, it's a very different style game. And, and that kind of makes me a little nervous because I really do enjoy Sea of Thieves. I really did enjoy Black Flag. Um, so part of me is like, okay, am I actually going to enjoy Skull and Bones? I want to. I want to give this game a shot. I think it looks great. I love the idea behind it. And I'd love to give it a shot since it's taken so long to develop. Uh, but at the same time, it's like if, if you keep telling me I'm not going to like it because I enjoy those other two games, that makes me a little nervous. Yeah, it definitely ruins me nervous. It's one I'm not completely sold on personally. Uh, with that being said, I do love the ship customization. In a game like Sea of Thieves, you have your kind of baked-in ships. You can switch the sails. You can switch the cannon colors, the deck colors, and all that. Uh, this one dives a little bit more into the weaponry. You can change your weapons, like the different types of cannons that you can fire out, harpoons, and all of that stuff. Uh, you can change the shielding on your ship to see what you defend better against, whether it be cannonballs or arrows or fire. Uh, there's definitely a lot more customization as far as strategy goes when it comes to building out your ship. With that being said, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of certain things like Sea of Thieves. I love that I can board a ship and actually make the contact happen. I can hide. I can sword fight. In this game, it becomes a cinematic animation, which I feel like takes a little bit away from the excitement of a player boarding another ship. Uh, resource gathering is also something I feel like Sea of Thieves does pretty well, even though I would like a little bit of a bigger inventory. Uh, this one, you can even take your resources from sitting on the ship, and they can just kind of pull in automatically. Uh, so it's going to be an adjustment for sure, but you also kind of manage your crew, uh, which will be interesting as opposed to like the hands-on approach you have in Sea of Thieves. This one, you're kind of more of a captain telling people what to do. So it, it should be interesting. Again, it is a little bit more, uh, let's call it realistic pirate sim, um, but there is stuff that's animated. There is stuff that's going to happen automatically versus you being hands-on. So it's definitely worth checking out. Again, it will be on Ubisoft Plus at launch for those who subscribe to that. And it will be coming out in early November if you want to set sail and go check it out, you scallywags. Next up is The Division and all that Tom Clancy goodness. Just going to skip over this part. Pretty much just a quick summary. The Division 2 is going to continue to get major updates throughout this year as well as a constant fifth year being entitled there. Uh, so they've been doing four years of constant updates. Now you have a fifth year of those particular updates coming as well. 
The Division Heartland, it's a free-to-play survival action shooter that continues to get teased by Ubisoft. We got a little footage of it, but still not 100% sure what those details are, so more to come on that front. Then we have a mobile game, The Division Resurgence. Again, very little details on this. It kind of reminded me of Escape from Tarkov, though. There's a little bit of that Battle Royale feeling to it, but also a part about getting to extraction, so that makes me think Tarkov. But again, very little details as of yet. And then Rainbow Six Siege Mobile, they confirmed, has been going well in the beta stage and will continue to go through beta testing as it gets closer to launch. Next up is Ubisoft's partnership with Netflix. Uh, This is interesting to me because 99% of people don't realize this. We wrote an article about it recently on otnmedia.org. Most people don't realize that Netflix has games. Some people have found certain ones like the Minecraft story or the little trivia games that are built in here and there. It actually has exclusive mobile games as well as big name mobile games that they're accessed to through the Netflix app. Now, I don't know about you, John, uh, but when I go to play a mobile game, I typically just download it from the Play Store or the App Store. I don't go through Netflix. Well, there is an option to go through Netflix with your subscription to get some of these paid games for free or to get content for some of these games. So if you're Netflix sub, go ahead and check that out. Anyway, the exclusive games that Ubisoft have promised are Valiant Hearts 2, Mighty Quest, and then a new Assassin's Creed game will all be coming to the Netflix platform exclusively, Uh, especially that Assassin's Creed game they made, or Assassin's Creed game, they made sure to kind of nail that one home that it will be exclusive to the Netflix platform. We don't know anything about the setting, we don't know anything about the length of the game, We just know it is a mobile-esque Assassin's Creed game coming to Netflix. And last but not least, with those announcements of the partnership in mind, there's a live-action Assassin's Creed TV show also in development that will be launching on Netflix. Joey, I am pleased to announce I have officially found the games part on the Netflix app. (laughs) Um, It it took a little searching. I, I, I did find it. And a quick glance. Uh, yeah, I will not be playing any of them. Because uh, I could care less. Uh, Netflix is not for video games. <laughs> it's as simple as that. But it just seems uh, weird, right? Like, if they're mostly mobile games, yeah. why am I going to go through another storefront to get them? Yeah. I mean, it... it, it yeah. I, I'm not going to go through Netflix. Like, w- number one, Netflix, you already charge too much uh, for dwindling original content, if I'm going to be completely honest. And, and then, God forbid, you want to take you know advantage of the fact that you have a high def 4K television. That's going to cost you another ten bucks a month uh, to actually enjoy that uh, streaming wise because duh, it takes up so much power from your server. No one cares Netflix. Um, but yeah, um, I'm not going to play video games through the Netflix app. I'm going to go to the Apple Store. I'm going to go to someone not named Netflix and and get my mobile games from there because when I think Netflix, I think overpriced streaming service and not mobile gaming. Uh, So, yeah, I could care less. Uh, Netflix, you're not getting me on the games, and there's a reason why 99% of your users still have no freaking clue you have them or have engaged with them nor care about them. Um, Congrats on the crap marketing. Maybe you should, like, overhaul that department, but that costs money. And obviously, that's something that you don't currently have because you're trying to jack the price up every six months on your subscribers for less and less original content. Uh, so, yeah, how about you just worry about you know getting TV shows and movies that don't suck um, and that aren't 20 years old uh, and not worry about mobile gaming and leave that to the people who understand what's going on. Wow, that was a little bit more heated than I was expecting. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I'm very salty with Netflix just because 
I, I keep seeing my Netflix bill go up and up and up, and I'm, I'm getting really sick and tired of it. Like, Disney Plus doesn't charge me extra for 4K ultra high def. I'm still paying the same $6.99 a month. Like, it doesn't bum me out one bit. But for some reason, Netflix, boy, 25 bucks a month. You know what? You can... It's a family show, Joey. It's a family show, and I'm not going to say it. Uh, but you can go fly a kite in an electrical storm uh, is, is what I'm going to go ahead and say. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. Wow. Then they would raise your price to pay for the hospital bills. <laughs> if, they, if they survive. Oh, my gosh. Uh, last but not least for the Ubisoft show, there was some more Assassin's Creed news. We got a look at five to six different Assassin's Creed games coming and just to briefly run through them. We have Assassin's Creed Mirage. This is set in Baghdad 20 years before the events of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mirage looks to go back to the basics of the series, a little bit more emphasis on stealth than recent games, as well as some more strategic planning around the assassinations. I like that move a lot. On top of that, it's going to be a little bit more narrative-driven than recent games as well, uh, with the adventure set to release in 2023. Also, fun fact, they didn't publicly state this, but I can tell you it's real. It was originally planned to be Valhalla DLC that got spun off into its own game. That's the main reason it's a shorter game, and that's the main reason for the Valhalla link. They just decided, hey, we've released a ton of Valhalla content. Let's just make this its own standalone game instead of adding another 20, 30 hours to that game because it's already like 200 hours to play through the whole thing and 100% complete it. So I like the move of spinning this one off. Next up, they did bring up Assassin's Creed Valhalla, the last chapter, the final DLC pack. It's set to come in a few months' time, right around November, December time, and Valhalla will be getting its final DLC pack at that time, and that will end the ongoing content additions for that one, again, properly named The Last Chapter. Next up, we get into some of the new project announcements. This is Assassin's Creed Codename Jade. Again, Jade will not be the final name, but as you can predict, Jade does relate to China. The new setting will be China in this upcoming mobile title for Assassin's Creed. Uh, They don't really mention the time period of China, but it's somewhere around ancient China. We don't know the dynasty. Uh, It will also be the first game in the series to allow for create a character. Every other Assassin's Creed game says, hey, you're playing as this guy, you're playing as this girl. This one is going to allow John to play 20, 30 minutes in the character creator before he sets out for those assassinations. Uh, always good times there. And it will have innovative touch controls as well. 20 to 30 minutes, you're being incredibly generous, Joey. Try 20 to 30 hours. <laughs> uh, I am very indecisive when it comes to creating my characters. So, so thank you for making it seem like I actually do have a life outside of character creation. Character creation is very entertaining. I'm curious to see like something like Starfield once you get your hands on that one. That one seems pretty in-depth. So uh, many, many hours will be spent in there, I'm sure, before you finally set into space. It's upsetting. Next up is Assassin's Creed Codename Red. This one I am super stoked for personally. Red will see the player take place as a ninja slash shinobi is kind of what they're going for here. Staying away from the samurai trend as you adventure across feudal Japan. Probably a good move going the ninja route in my opinion. Uh, We see games like Ghost of Tsushima who did samurais really well recently. Trek to Yumi is another one that did a good samurai impression. So I think going Samurai, people would have been like, yo, Ubisoft, this has been done a lot in recent years. So again, going back to Japan, while it's been popular, I think switching it up, going with the Ninja route should at least keep things a little bit more fresh. Uh, Can I just say, I absolutely love that Assassin's Creed is giving love to to Asian countries now. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, again, when when Assassin's Creed came out, it was mainly like a a Middle East, um, you know, setting-based game. It It was a lot of like... 
uh, you know, early Western civilization, you know, early days of Christianity and and Islam, because there's a lot of of religious ties to a lot of these games as well. I believe there's one game he was Assassin's Creed Two where you actually assassinate the Pope, um, or the fake Pope, or, or something like that. It was something absolutely insane, but uh, it, it took place like in in that area of the world. And then you know, obviously, we had uh, you know the one that took place in uh, you know revolutionary times in America, uh, which was really cool. Uh, then you also had like Black Flag, so it was a more a pirate based game. Uh, so I, I love the fact that they're they're really kind of expanding into different cultures, into different uh, countries, and and you know when it comes to uh, you know Asian countries, I I think yes, there are a lot of samurai games out there. There's a lot of 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 games along those types, but I think for Assassin's Creed, I I think that's a a very big milestone with the reach Assassin's Creed has. Uh, so I'm super excited for it. Uh, I'm, I can't wait to check out Project Red. I can't re- wait to check out Project Jade. Uh, I think it's going to be super uh, entertaining once I get past the character creation. Yeah, it should definitely be a fun one. Last but not least, we have Assassin's Creed codename Hexay. Uh, this one's interesting because it's described as a very different experience. There was very little stated. It was a brief teaser. It kind of looked witchy, like a little bit of witchcraft involved. Uh, so they didn't give us the setting. A lot of people are predicting this is either something to do with like the Salem witch trials up in Boston or something to do with the witch hunts over in Rome at one point in that time period in Italy. So there's a couple different settings that it could be. Again, it could be something completely far off as well that we have no idea and no one's guessed it yet. With that being said, it is definitely one to look forward to as well as it takes a little bit of a different spin. And last but not least, Assassin's Creed Infinity. While not a game, this is going to be the new central hub for future Assassin's Creed games. I don't really know what they mean by this. It kind of sounds like it's going to be a launcher. Uh, It's going to be a central point for both single-player and multiplayer experiences moving forward. But again, very sparse on details. We'll have to stay tuned to see what that ends up being. And it will launch with Red, I believe, is the first game coming out that will be included in it. And then Hexa shortly after. Anything else you want to say on Ubisoft before we move our way into this week's showcases? Uh, no. I like it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, we're going to kick it off with the beefiest one, and then things will get a little easier after this one. Uh, Nintendo came hot and heavy, John. Usually these directs end up being 15, 20 minutes. Sometimes it's a 10-minute Pokemon direct where they show us some new cute Pokemon that everyone starts to like, like LeChonk. Um, but overall, this one was packed full of all different details. Uh, Some of the big games to mention, so Fire Emblem, there's going to be a new mainline Fire Emblem game, Fire Emblem Engage. This one's set to come out in January 2023, and again, it is a mainline game in the very popular Fire Emblem franchise, so a lot of people will be stoked to jump back into that. We saw Three Houses do really well recently, Fire Emblem also with some successful mobile games out there, now continuing along to put out some more content. Uh, They also get Game of the Year contender It Takes Two. A very popular game from EA as well as Hazel Light. It's making its way to Nintendo Switch later this year. Uh, Again, so on and so forth. So many games mentioned in this, but just touching on a few of them. Octopath Traveler is another popular one. It's getting a sequel for Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, This is going to be a pretty big game from Square Enix. The first one did extremely well. It launched on Nintendo Switch as well as Xbox. Uh, It was an Xbox Game 1 or Game Pass Day 1 game that did really well. And again, as always, things sold very well on Nintendo Switch 2. We have Tunic, another popular kind of indie game making its way over here. So Nintendo finally getting some of these indie games it's been waiting on for a while. This one's September 27th, 2022. 
And then we just continue on. Splatoon just recently released. Now it's getting some big updates coming as well. Uh, This is kind of kicking off on September 23rd and follows the prior pre-release Splatfest demo of Rock, Paper, Scissors. So it will kind of carry on a little bit of that theme as well. Um, As we continue to move on, we have new games making their way into the online service as well. Pilot Wing 64, Mario Party 64, a classic, guys. Check that out. Mario Party 2, Mario Party 3, Pokemon Stadium for the Pokemon trainers out there, as well as Pokemon Stadium 2. We have 1080 Snowboarding, Excitebite 64, and GoldenEye 64 as well. This one's super stoked for. I will be releasing both on Nintendo Switch as well as Xbox. The Nintendo Switch version is the classic N64 version. So if you want that full nostalgia, that is the version to play. It'll be on Nintendo Switch Online. And because Nintendo has this fancy little split-screen co-op thing, uh, you will be able to play the multiplayer version of that as well. Uh, I don't know if T-Spans is in chat tonight, uh, but it pretty much works like Parsec. Uh, Nintendo is making this virtual Parsec environment where you're going to play multiplayer, but it is still split screen. So instead of me, John, and whoever playing in a 4v4 multiplayer or 4, well, I guess it'd be 1v1v1 multiplayer game, uh, it will be 1v1v1v1, but on a split screen setting, even though we're on an online database. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on as well. Um, John, of all these games, I feel like some of them will age well. I am slightly nervous about how GoldenEye is going to age, though. Uh, I love the classic. I remember spending tons of hours in that game, the little secret passages in multiplayer, yelling at friends for looking at each other's screens and screen peeking. Uh, I'm curious how this is going to age, though, because the graphics, from what I remember, were not very good. Yeah. Um, in comparison, like at the time, like they were pretty good. Uh, N64 was... Again, the first console, I believe, with 64-bit graphics. Like it was a, it was one of the first consoles that had true 3D graphics, uh, alongside, uh, you know, PlayStation. So uh, it was just uh, a very interesting game. That graphically, I think people are going to look at it and be like, "Oh my God, how did you play this game?" I mean. And yeah, I mean, really, Joey, what it comes down to is I still have my N64. I don't know how I played using that controller (laughs) uh, is is what it really comes down to. Like my hands naturally go to like the position that you play with the controller with. But it just it it feels so weird. I honestly don't know how I played that game. I mean, honestly, the single analog stick thing, like my mind can no longer wrap around how that even works appropriately. Yeah, and then like I remember, like you had to hold like a a, a bumper button to like actually uh, tilt on the uh, X Y axis, like if you want to look up or actually look physically look down. Uh, otherwise, that uh, analog stick was literally just movement going front, back, right, left. You know, and it was uh, it was different. Aiming was a nightmare. Uh, then if you knew the proper inputs, you know, obviously you unlock the, the the secret characters. You know, you could have odd job. You could have jaws if you really wanted to lose because uh, that man's like eight foot two in this game. Odd job was the human cheat code because he was so short, could literally hide behind the box without crouching. Um, Joey, I mean, for, for me, I, I am nervous about the game, but it brought back a lot of really great memories. Uh, paintball mode, big head mode, slappers only, golden gun. Um you know all the cool different big head mode fun. <laughs> yeah you did you play big head mode oh yeah 
Oh, it was so good. Oh, like, it's so absolutely good. ridiculous. You're, you're running around, like, all of a sudden, like, you see the person's head before you see the rest of their body. And, like, it's clipping through the wall, and, like, you shoot their nose and you still kill them. It's it's nutty. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm super stoked for it. Like, it, it's definitely a, a nostalgia trip. Um, But, yeah, I, I share the same fear uh, that outside of the Nintendo Switch version, which, like you said, is going to be the original version... I think that's going to have some really cool uh, nostalgia to go with it, especially with uh, how the Switch is set up with the two Joy-Cons and everything. I think that game is going to play incredibly well on it. I'm nervous about the Xbox version because it's it, it's uh, essentially a rebuild of the game in, in, in all essence. And I, I'm curious, is it going to have a graphic update? Is it going to have... Um, you know, are they going to change anything? I, I still remember that story vividly. It followed the lines of the movie incredibly well. Uh, you know, a lot of times vi- uh, video games based upon movies don't do a great job at telling that story. It, Goldeneye did a fantastic job. And really the popularity of, of Goldeneye 007 for the N64 is what really helped catapult these style of games uh, to the forefront, uh, to the the multiplayer uh, shooters. Uh, I mean, that all traces back to Goldeneye. I mean, it, Goldeneye, when, Joey, we're going to date ourselves here a little bit. When Goldeneye came out, you honestly couldn't find a copy. Now, I was living in Korea at the time when Goldeneye came out, and you definitely couldn't find a copy because you had to wait for the shipments to come in from the States to get it. Uh, because you couldn't buy the, you know, the, the, the out-of-market version because you had a North American console. Uh, and they were region locked. Yes, region locks were even around back then too. Um, so it was like you had to wait for the exchange to to restock, and there were always lines to get it. Uh, but I got a copy. I thought it was great. I still love it to this day. I still have the OG copy. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I I'm excited, but I'm nervous. Yeah, excited but nervous is a good way to put it. And just to reiterate a little bit of what you're saying, the Xbox version is different. Uh, This is going to be a completely rebuilt from the ground up version. It's a remastered version. Uh, Originally built for Xbox One, then it kind of got caught up in limbo. Uh, The way the license works, someone owned the James Bond license at the time. Rare owned the game. Then Xbox bought Rare. Nintendo had different parts of the license. So it had to go through like four different parties to get the license approved. It got held up. And then eventually to today, it did get made through. Nintendo was able to get a version and now are a new version of the old version. And then Xbox got their version to come through as well. Uh, The Nintendo version will be the only one with multiplayer. Again, it's kind of that faux online split screen thing going on. The Xbox version is the only one with 4K though. So again, the Nintendo being the original resolution, the Xbox is getting 4K. With somewhat brushed up graphics, it's still kind of true to the original as well though. Um, But definitely worth checking both of those versions out. Uh, continuing on through the giant list of things that Nintendo gave us, we got a few new content updates as well. Mario Strikers Battle League its getting its second free update with Pauline and Diddy uh, joining the roster over there. Uh, we have some new Mario Kart tracks coming in as well. Uh, the new DLC, this is Wave 3 of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. You're getting Merry Mountain from Mario Kart Tour as well as Peach Gardens from Mario Kart DS. And then moving our way down, this is another nostalgia game, John. I don't know if you ever got into it. Um, Pikmin was a big game when it originally released. I want to say it was GameCube. We are finally getting Pikmin 4. It's confirmed for 2023. We didn't get any gameplay, but we did get told the little cute little plant guys will be making their way back into the Nintendo ecosystem with Pikmin 4 in 2023. Do you ever end up plucking any Pikmin in your days? 
Uh, I actually never owned a GameCube. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. I uh, I did not fall for the GameCube hype. I did not fall for the disaster that was Sega Dreamcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I I <laughs> I avoided both of them. Did not believe in the cube. The cube released some good games. The controller it did. was it did. It was an experience, uh, to say the, the least. I know some people it, swear by GameCube controllers. It was better than the N64 controller, like, looking I back mean. on it. <laughs> like, the, like, the crazy thing was when the N64 controller came out, it was so different than anything you've had before. Like, mm. you're coming from uh, the, the Nintendo Entertainment System, the, the, the NES, the Super NES, uh, that built on that horrific block controller from the NES and kind of gave you some, some roundness to that controller. Uh, the, the 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 Super NES was absolutely fantastic, and then you had the Genesis from Sega that built upon that too, and then you have sixty four coming out with this trident looking expletive, and <laughs> I had to catch myself because I was about to cuss, uh, and you're just like, how in the world do you play this? And like you had like the arguments with your friends, like, oh, do you hold? the two ends, and then you reach over with your thumbs for the analog stick. Do you have one hand on the center console and the other one off at an angle, which is how I played and how you're supposed to do it. I will fight to the death to this day. Um, but uh, it was it was so different and so weird. Yeah, you, you, you played like this. Your thumb on the joystick that. and your, your buttons over here. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Um, but then after that, obviously it didn't catch on, and then you kind of saw a revamped version of the classic style from the the, the Super Nintendo uh, to the GameCube. Yeah, it was still a little funky, but it wasn't anything that crazy. And then even from there to, like, the Xbox, I mean, you take a look at the Duke controller. I mean, it's it's a classic design. Massive. It was just absolutely massive. Like, you couldn't literally throw it at a building and knock a building down with that controller. And they kind of, like, they brought it in a little bit. And then, you know, PlayStation has kept the same design really they they've kind of futurized it here and there um but other than that like i feel like it's it's um hold on fight over the rumble pack yes uh the Ru- so here i was here, gonna say that thing is crazy here was yeah. the thing when it came to the n64 you had two options do you enjoy your game with a rumble pack or do you want to save your progress and use the memory card because it used the same freaking slot in the controller if you put the rumble pack in there, congratulations, you just added like 18 pounds to your controller. I hope you have the arm strength to hold the damn controller up. Or did you want to save your game and come back to the game later? Uh, I, Joey, I for one am glad memory cards are no longer a thing. I remember when uh, PlayStation had it. Uh, you had the stupid little thin memory cards. It, they finally went away with PlayStation 2. Well, and they corrupted and way they too did. often. That was so annoying. Oh, but then like, but you know, fighting over the Rumble Pack. God forbid you're playing with your friends because, fun fact, N64 was not online. Uh, you know, one, you had to fight over if someone was screen watching or screen peeking. But then two, you had to fight over the Rumble Pack because, Joey, the Rumble Pack cost as much as a video game did for the N64, which is roughly around thirty to forty dollars uh, during that era. So, like, most people only had one Rumble Pack. So, like, I know in, in, in my house rules, it was winner got the rumble pack. So Ooh. you wanted to have the better experience? Get good. Like, it's simple as that. And stop watching my screen or I will punch you. Uh, I did not like screen watchers. I do not think, Joey, 
I don't think screen watching would go over very well nowadays with with gamers. I see a lot of fights breaking out. Yeah, I definitely do not see that one going too, too well. But the good old Rumble Pack back in the day was a lot yeah. of fun. As you said, it was kind of a disadvantage, so it is interesting really that the whole winner takes it. Uh, I loved it for racing games. For shooters, yes. it kind of threw off the aim a little bit with how bad that controller already was to begin with. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a classic experience, a nostalgia one at that. Uh, and with that being said, there are just a couple more things to touch on here, John, and we can continue to move on. Um, I know I could talk about the N64 controller online, if I'm being honest, and really just controller design in general. Like, Nintendo has always been unique. Like, the Wii, even the GameCube, while it had its standard design, the buttons were as funky as they could get. The different sizing of, like, the A button versus the Y and the X being kind of, like, diagonal. It's just Nintendo has always kind of gone to the beat of their own drum in controller design. Last but not least, for the Nintendo Showcase that we're going to touch on again, guys, so many games mentioned here. Definitely recommend looking it up, especially if you're into ports, because there are a lot of games being ported over, a lot of new content coming to other games as well. But we cannot leave the Nintendo Showcase without mentioning The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. We have a trailer for this one for those live with us on Twitch as well. This is going to be the sequel to Breath of the Wild. Originally supposed to come out like 2020, 2021. Uh, It's been bumped a number of different times, delayed two or three times officially, other times on the back end. Uh, It is now officially coming out May 12th, 2023. We do have that title, and we did get a little bit of a trailer as well as some key art to come alongside it. John, I don't think you played the original Breath of the Wild. Uh, I played a good chunk of it. I never did finish it, though, confession there. Um, It is one of the best games out there, though, according to a lot of different people. It won Game of the Year the year it came out. The, I mean, the art style is gorgeous. The open world aspect to the Zelda game continues to go from the original feeling, but even open it up so much more with Breath of the Wild. And it looks like here with Tears of the Kingdom, we'll get a lot of that same that they're going to continue to build on with those extra years of development as well. Yeah, I didn't play because I don't own a Switch. Um, right. But you have yeah. played Zelda games before, like, right? Like oh, I love Ocarina Zelda. of Time, different things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Zelda games are great. I, I love the unique takes they have taken on Zelda games going forward into the future, really uh, utilizing where we are uh, tech, uh, technologically and using that to their advantage. I, this game looks absolutely stunning. Um, I'm super excited for it. And again, a, a, another reason I need to buy a freaking Switch, uh, if, if people in chat and our subscribers listening, if you guys can slide into Joey's DMs <laughs> and tell him to give me a pay raise, um, I will be more than happy to purchase a Nintendo Switch so I can enjoy Tears of the Kingdom. I love it. I love it. Uh, next up in our agenda, we're going to continue moving through these different showcases, is going to be the PlayStation State of Play. Uh, a number of different things announced in this. They went over 10 different games in particular. And again, for the sake of time, we're going to kind of scoot through some of these. But to mention some of the bigger ones... Tekken 8 was revealed, and everyone loved the idea of it. We've seen Sony be the one to announce a lot of these recent fighting titles. Uh, Street Fighter was one that has been heavily linked to Sony a number of different times throughout the years. Again, the new Street Fighter game, while coming to all different consoles, was pretty much linked to Sony uh, with a lot of the reveals that we've seen come from it as well. Tekken 8 being no different, coming in a Sony showcase. Tekken 8 to me, John, looks really good. The last one sold extremely well. Again, everyone knows I'm not the biggest fighting game title fan. I've enjoyed some Smash Brothers here and there. I enjoy getting my butt kicked in Tekken or Street Fighter here and there. Um, but overall, I'm not the main audience for that game. With that being said, I think Tekken 8 looks really good, and I think it will be a big win for the fighting game community. So, so Joey, you, you know those uh, crazy places back in the day where you had a bunch of uh, 
uh, video game uh, uh, boxes that stood up really tall. You had to put quarters into it to play. Uh, you know, they're called arcades. Um, when, when those were a thing, uh, it were, boomer alert, uh, simple as that. Uh, Tekken was my fight game of choice. Um, I loved Mortal Kombat, but nothing came close to Tekken. Uh, as a kid, that was the game I loved playing. I loved the characters. I loved the story of Tekken. Um, yeah, I, I would waste a lot of my parents' money as a child playing Tekken in the arcade after school. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely freaking fantastic. I love what they've done with the game. I love what they've done with Mortal Kombat also. Um, just, you know, fighting games, I discovered i'm not very good at them uh at at my advanced gamer age so uh i i don't play fighting games anymore because i don't like losing to 12 year olds um yeah simple as that it happens uh we did get a lot of japanese influence with this showcase as well with the tokyo game show going on this week too we had a new look at a yakuza game that was japan released originally now making its way worldwide and then we had rise of the ronin this is a team ninja game uh, Team Ninja, very popular for Ninja Gaiden and Neo. They will be giving an Assassin's Creed-esque game playing as a samurai in this one. And at least for now, it sounds like it will be a PlayStation 5 console exclusive too. That means it's most likely releasing on the PC alongside console. And we don't know if this is a limited exclusivity or if it will fully and only be on PlayStation 5. Um, but Rise of the Ronin does look pretty good as well and definitely worth checking out. It's about a minute and a half, two-minute trailer for that one that you guys can check out on your own time as well. Last but not least, and the biggest piece of the PlayStation Showcase, this is God of War Ragnarok, John. This game coming out later this year, originally set for, I believe it was a 2021 release. It's been delayed a couple times here and there. Finally got its official announcement of the release date of November 2022, coming out just before the holiday window, and it should be a banger. This one has so much potential. The game looks great. The story has been improved upon. It's got a lot of hours of gameplay, unique mechanics that we see in the gameplay trailer as well, and I feel like every time we get footage, this game continues to impress, and it's easily one of the best games over on console platforms and very much a staple of the PlayStation stable. So very excited to see this one continuing to improve upon what we saw in earlier God of War titles, and John, I think this is definitely going to be a game of the year contender up along Elden Ring later this year. Oh, 100%. Uh, this game looks absolutely incredible. Uh, this was the series that I missed the most after making the switch to Xbox. I absolutely love God of War. Um, this title just continues that amazing story with this with this amazing cast of characters. Uh, yeah, Joe, I, th- I think Game of the Year is definitely within its grasps for sure. Um, I think this is a must-buy for any PlayStation uh, gamer out there. Uh, if, if you have a PS4 or a PS5, this is a must-buy, 100%. This is a, a game you cannot miss. Uh, and again, I'll be spending a ton of time watching videos. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll convince one of my friends to let me borrow their PS5 so I can play it. I don't know yet. It's probably not going to happen. But uh, But yeah, I mean... This game looks incredible. I, the, the hype is real, 100% for this game. Uh, the more and more I see of this in-game play, these in-game graphics of what this is going to look like and how it's going to play, the more and more I miss not having a PlayStation 5. Um, it, it's absolutely incredible. Kudos to Sony and, and everyone uh, when it comes to developing this game, uh, this amazing story, these characters. Uh, it, it's definitely something they should be proud of. Um, it's 
just sad that Sony continues to be hypocrites and trying to go after Microsoft for, for console exclusivity uh, when Sony has literally built their legacy on console exclusivity uh, and God of War being one of the biggest ones, but that's a, an argument for another time. Uh, this is definitely a major, major perk of being a PlayStation gamer. Yeah, it's huge, and it will be coming to PC at some point, not officially yes. announced, but everything PlayStation will be making its way there. Uh, it could be a year from now. It could be six months from now. We really don't know. Um, but for now, it will be PlayStation 5 exclusive. I think it might be coming to PS4, too, if I remember correctly. Yes. Not 100% sure on that. Yeah, okay. Um, so it will look a little different, again, guys, because it is a different system, different hardware. Um, but it will be a big, big PlayStation game this holiday quarter. And $10 cheaper, too, on the PlayStation 4. $10 cheaper. Look at that. So if you guys have PS4, PS5, as John said, this is a must-buy. I will echo that sentiment as well. And if you're a PC gamer, this will be a must-buy down the road, too. Agreed. Next up is the Call of Duty Next Showcase. This one took place today. Uh, again, not going to spend a ton of time on it. We got another look at multiplayer, or I believe this actually might have been the first look. We've seen some maps. We've seen some little leak clips before. Uh, this might have been the official first reveal of the multiplayer, though, so we did get a little bit of a look at that. Some of the cosmetics, some of the guns, some of the map action you will be seeing in that one. On top of that, we got to look at Call of Duty Warzone 2.0. Uh, it's going to be a little different. The map is going to be El Mazara. It's combining desert combat with sprawling cities is kind of the description we saw throughout the showcase. On top of that, we have a number of new areas. They are labeled on the El Mazara map, which is on social media. If you guys want to check that one out, it is circulating on there quite a bit. Um, overall, there's going to be some major changes, though. There's going to be a little bit more of an AI action in this. There's going to be strongholds you have to kind of capture throughout the Warzone map. Uh, so it's going to be a fun, different take on Warzone, and I kind of like it. Uh, to me, at least, the original Warzone was getting a little bland. When I'm thinking Battle Royale, I felt like Fortnite was doing so many things better, as much as I hate to say that, uh, than Call of Duty. And that being said, I think they're coming in with some fresher formulas. The circle might even split up a little bit from the sound of things. Uh, we have some different action as far as the strongholds and kind of getting that higher tier loot available. The gulag is changing up as well. And then they do have the new DMZ mode that will be making its way into. So I feel like hitting that Battle Royale-esque genre, that Escape from Tarkov-like game as well, feels like they kind of have really brought that in, learned from what they did in the original, hopefully came in with a better anti-cheat for this one as well, uh, and then kind of spun it with some new changes too. So I'm excited, John. Overall, I know some people are kind of mixed on the new Warzone because they really like the original one. Uh, they are taking loadouts out, and a lot of people like the loadouts. I personally think if you're going to play a Battle Royale, you should be looting weapons anyway. So I like the idea of removing those. And then I am not... So I have I've loved Call of Duty for many years. I typically have gravitated away as I move to a PC gamer since they cater so much more to the console audience. Uh, with that being said, I'm a sucker for Modern Warfare games, played a lot of the 2019 version, played a really lot, too much time, honestly, of Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, and I will most likely be jumping back into Modern Warfare 2 here, uh, most likely doing it on PC as well. We'll see how that goes. But I am pretty stoked to dive in, and I think everything we've seen so far, John, compared to some of these games like Cyberpunk, like Halo, that have released almost unfinished to a degree. I mean, Halo very much to a degree. Uh, Cyberpunk as well. Those two examples were very unfinished. Uh, with that being said, there's other ones like Battlefield that could have used more content at launch. I feel like Call of Duty is coming hot and heavy. Lots of maps, lots of weapons, and lots of modes that seem pretty ready to go when they launch in October. Ready to launch, yes. But if they have a faulty uh, anti-cheat mm. again, and they do not, and they're not proactive about stopping the mass and rampant cheating uh, from hackers and everyone else uh, in Modern Warfare, this game's dead on arrival. Um, that's honestly a lot of the gamers I know that played Warzone 
that stopped was because of the crazy amount of cheaters that went unpunished. Uh, you know, look, if you're going to cheat, you take that risk of being banned uh, and, and losing whatever amount of money you paid for that game if it wasn't free to play. Well, you want to know something? Take it a step further. I want their IPs blacklisted. Uh, I, I want them to never play again. It's a great way to kill the entertainment that comes from these games. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. Like if you're great, if you're good at the game and you can hit crazy shots, awesome, great. By all means, keep doing it. Uh, you're using software to cheat at these games. You're a piece of crap, and you don't deserve to play the game. You're ruining it for everyone else. It's it's not fun, and you don't deserve to have fun, and you don't deserve to play the game. It's as simple as that. They need to be proactive. And they need to do it from the start, from the get-go, and they cannot be complacent. They have to constantly be one step ahead uh, to ensure that these games are fair and fun for everyone. I mean, the problem is, like, right, even with an IP ban, people have found ways around it. Yeah. Uh, you can reroute your IP in different ways. Uh, one thing we have seen games do is add that kernel component, and I know people have mixed feelings on that one as well. It's a little bit more invasive on the PC. Uh, Valorant is probably the most well-known game that uses the kernel security level stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of mixed on it. I never had an issue with it. Obviously, I'm not cheating, so I'm not super concerned about it. I think yeah, the bigger concern is if someone gets hacked. Like if the yeah. company, like Riot Games, so Tencent's behind them, some people are worried about the Chinese influence that it could come from. Uh, I, I mean, that's just one sample out there. But the biggest thing with the kernel level is if someone gets access to it, they can completely take over your PC. On the security side of things, as far as the game, if John's cheating, I can easily shut him down, identifying it on the hardware and stopping it right there, and he can't connect ever again. So there is pluses and minuses to it. With that being said, we don't know exactly the way they'll go. Uh, Ricochet has had its ups and downs for Warzone. Call of Duty, the game itself, while it has cheaters, hasn't been rampant. It was very much Warzone that felt more effective, and I think a lot of that reason is because it's free to play. If there's a $60 price tag, I'm going to be much more... I guess less willing to cheat in it because I'd have to continue to pay for the license over and over and over again versus someone who goes in says, Hey, it's free to play. I can keep making new accounts. I can reroute my IP however many times. So I think Warzone is definitely the one more at risk here, but we'll keep an eye on it report as it goes. But at least so far, all these game modes seem to be ready to ship and hopefully they end up as good as they look so far. Next up is the Tokyo Game Show. It kicked off today. Lots of action, lots of games, lots of press releases and shows. Uh, the biggest showcases of the day were Capcom and Xbox. Capcom, just to hit on some of the highlights, it was a quicker showcase, but they did keep it nice and healthy with plenty of content. We had Monster Hunter, Rise, Sunbreak, free title update number two. It is coming September 29th, and the hunts are heating up in the kingdom. We have some new rare subspecies available. A new twisted form of an elder dragon rises from the shadows in the latest trailer as well. John, I don't know if you've ever jumped into Monster Hunter. I tried a little bit of Monster Hunter World. Uh, it's a cool game. The mechanics are a little difficult at first, but kind of once you get a hold of it, once you know what breaks certain body parts, what slices certain body parts, and how to use the swords differently, uh, it can definitely be a fun game to grind at. There is a lot of hours, though. I think it was like an 80, 100-hour game to kind of 100% complete it. So as a completionist like myself, I had to give up early on in that one because otherwise I'd be devoting a ton of time to it. Um, but I did enjoy the bit I played while it was difficult overall. 
Are you saying the courtside queen would not let you play like 100 hours? With yeah, I could only slice off so many scales before I had to hop off that one. Um, but overall, <laughs> the game was good. I did enjoy it. And I understand why so many people bought it and why so many people are trying to clone it. Like Xbox is making one. Uh, I believe uh, someone just mentioned it this week. I don't remember which developer it was, but someone else is making Oh, EA. EA is making a monster clone or monster hunter clone with Koei Tecmo. So there's a number of different Monster Hunter-esque games in development because of the success of Monster Hunter World. Then we had Resident Evil 4. This was announced previously, I believe, in a state of play. Now it came out. They mentioned some more details on that. We got some new footage on that one. So if you're a Resident Evil fan, definitely one to look out for there. Exoprimal, it's a dinosaur type of game. A little bit of... Uh, kind of mechs involved with this dino game. It looks interesting as well. We've seen it a couple times beforehand, um, but we did get some new looks at that. A story trailer came out there as well. So if you guys want to check out that, again, XO Primal in the Capcom Showcase. Moving our way down, Mega Man Battle Legacy or Battle Network Legacy. We got some new footage on that. Again, a previously announced game. Not a ton of new announcements coming out in the showcase, but a lot of new footage for previously announced things. And then they wrap things up with some more Street Fighter Six footage. Again, previously announced, as goes most of these games. But we did get a new look at that. And there will be more of a look at that in details tomorrow afternoon. Uh, well, uh, I don't 100% know on that time conversion, actually. It's tomorrow afternoon, Japanese time. Uh, but for us, that could be like 5 a.m. in the morning. So go ahead and take a look at that if you're interested in Street Fighter Six, You probably want to look at that time conversion and just not take my word for it on that one. Um, but there will be a full deep dive tomorrow at the Tokyo Game Show as well. Next and last but not least of the showcases that we saw this week, we have Xbox. Uh, they came out and making a pretty big appearance here at the Tokyo Game Show. They've been increasing their presence year over year. This year with a 50-minute showcase, uh, over a handful of Game Pass announcements. I think it was like 10 to 12 in total. Uh, we had some American stuff like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. And then we had a lot more Japanese influence, as you'd expect at the Tokyo Game Show. Danganronpa version 3. You had Fuga Melodies of Steel. A really big one in Nihin Ni no Kuni Wrath of the White Witch Remastered, which will also be getting a sequel as announced. It'll be coming out, I believe, in 2023. You had a lot of fighting games coming to the Xbox platform, something they've been trying to get for years now, some of these Japanese-based fighting games. So you have Blaze Blue Crosstag Battle coming and launching on Game Pass. You also have Guilty Gear Strive coming and launching on Game Pass. And that was another big thing. A lot of the games shown, again, like 12 to 13 of these will be making their way to Game Pass. Some pretty big titles in there. And then Deathloop, this one we've been hinting at for a little while on Level Up. Uh, they weren't allowed to publicly mention anything until the Sony clause was up. Sony bought one year of exclusivity, keeping the game off of Game Pass and off of mentions for other platforms. That expired as of today or yesterday, I believe. Um, and now they're able to publicly mention that. So that will be making its way to Xbox consoles finally. Again, they own Arcane, but because of that deal, they weren't able to make it over since they honored it. It'll be coming to Game Pass September 20th. And again, one of the biggest Game of the Award game of the year award winners last year so some exciting stuff there again lots of stuff going on over in japan as xbox continues to try to make moves over there they now have more than 250 developer partners over there as well so still room to work still ports that need to be made from japan to us but overall uh, lots of good progress there for xbox so claps to them for that Last but not least with the Tokyo Game Show, again, just a prick preview of what is tomorrow. You have the 505 Game Showcase. 
Uh, they have published things from like Control, from Remedy, which was one of their biggest ones in recent times, as well as a number of other games. You have Koei Tecmo. They might show off that EA Monster Hunter game that was recently mentioned. You have Sega. Again, Sonic Frontiers making its way out later this year, as we've mentioned a number of times on the show, as well as a number of other games like Persona making its port over to the Nintendo Switch, as well as the, um, the Xbox console as well. Konami is over there. There's lots of rumors of what Konami could show. It could be Silent Hill, could be a Metal Gear Solid remake. Uh, they've delayed a couple showcases, so hopefully they are ready with some good content there. And then last but not least, that Street Fighter Six showcase, a little bit more of a deep dive into that one, will be tomorrow at the Tokyo Game Show as well. Wow, John, this has been quite the show tonight. We've gone through like five or six showcases, just a little bit more to cover, and then we can wrap this up, watch some Thursday night football, take a nap before work on Friday, and then get to that lovely weekend. Uh, Let's talk general Activision Blizzard acquisition stuff. Uh, Some updates on this. So Saudi Arabia has approved the deal. They're the first country or country governing body to overlook these deals that has approved it. Uh, It's making progress in the U.S. It's getting a second review over there. Over in the UK, uh, they've really had the most opposition from the UK itself. Uh, the UK kind of taking a stringent post here, um, defending Sony a lot, saying that Sony could hurt a lot from this deal, which some arguments I would agree with, others not so much. And then the EU, at least so far, has said, hey, things are looking pretty clean. We're hoping to push this through. But again, it's still early in the process for them. Uh, Brazil in a similar situation, getting a little bit of feedback. Overall, I think the big picture, Microsoft and Activision obviously want this deal to go through. It's a win-win for both those parties. Sony is the only party opposing it at this point. Every other major publisher, EA, Take-Two, Ubisoft, uh, Nintendo, everyone else has said they are fine with the deal going through. Uh, Not that they're saying they're positive in favor of it, but they find no issues with it going through, so kind of abstaining. So it's pretty much a Sony versus Microsoft Activision fight at this point, along with these regulators. Uh, The most recent quote coming out from Sony and this was after the UK said they wanted to give a second review and a more deeper review at that. Sony stated, by giving Microsoft control of Activision games like Call of Duty, this deal would have major negative implications for games and the future of the gaming industry. Then they went on to say, we want to guarantee PlayStation gamers continue to have the highest quality gaming experience, and we appreciate the CMA, which is the governing bodies, focus on protecting gamers. Um, let's just dive into the Sony statement before we talk about the Microsoft rebuttal. Uh, it just cracks me up, John, and I love the timing of this, that Sony is talking about exclusivity of Call of Duty, of all things, as the Sony PlayStation exclusive Call of Duty beta launched today alongside the preview of an exclusive skin that will be coming to PlayStation gamers for Modern Warfare 2. I'm sorry. Exclusive beta for Sony playstation gamers only wow i mean joey as as two people who own xboxes i i feel left out i feel betrayed i don't know how this acquisition can go through if microsoft has not already sunk their claws of of uh temptation into blizzard activision to encourage everything automatically become xbox microsoft exclusive only i i feel like they're not tempting blizzard activision enough if if sony's getting exclusive deals when they're arguing exclusivity of of anything when it comes to call of duty to xbox would be harmful to their console and to their gamers sony look again moral high ground you don't have it um this argument is stupid as hell um how many exclusives do you have? Your platform was literally created based upon exclusives, 
right? The only reason why your games are even coming to PC is because you're starting to realize you can make more money by doing that, and you're ticking off your Sony Pony fanboys by doing it, by allowing PC gamers to enjoy some of these amazing titles as well. Look, it makes no sense. You have exclusive access to a beta that Xbox gamers won't have, that PC gamers won't have. Congratulations. There's nothing wrong with that. You're going to get exclusive skins. Okay, cool, great. Hey, Joey, uh, what's that one game that uh, uh, you know I really like involving superheroes and like you can pick them like for for your like your fights and everything? But you know that one superhero that I really like isn't available to me because I'm on an Xbox. Which, which one is that? Joey? Uh, that's Marvel's Avengers, John. And what's the that character? Spider Man, John. Thank you. Uh, PlayStation fans and uh, console users only have access to Spider-Man, which I believe having exclusive access to content or to a character uh, or to a game, I believe that's called, uh, 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 that phrase is slipping my mind, Joy. What's it called when it's only available on one platform? John, I think that's exclusive. Thank you. Thank you. Hypocrisy at its finest. The moral high ground you have not, Sony. I felt like we just went through a trial there. Uh, <laughs> we did. Guilty. Guilty. Uh, Guilty of, of tomfoolery and shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, right, it's one of those things that both parties have played the exclusive card, and they both still do. Xbox has done it with some indie games. Sony has done it with some big, big games like Final Fantasy VII Remake. You still haven't seen that on Xbox consoles. Uh, Final Fantasy sixteen. still haven't seen that. Final Fantasy fourteen Online, still haven't seen that. They've done it a lot with Final Fantasy uh, they've done it with a number of other games as well. Deathloop, they kept off the platform for a year. Uh, the Shoot, I can't think of it. Ghostwire Tokyo uh, is another game, again, Xbox owned, but they honored the agreement that it won't come to Xbox platforms for a year. And this is something you're going to continue to see and will continue to see for many years to come, probably. Uh, with that being said, Xbox did the same thing in the 360 genre, right? You had Mass Effect. That was Xbox exclusive for a while. Bioshock, Xbox exclusive for a while. Since then, these games have come to other platforms. But that's what built the Xbox 360. It was these huge games that they brought as exclusives. Sony saw what they did there, and they said, hey, that worked really well for you guys. We're going to do the same exact thing. So they did it with the PS4 generation, and it helped really pull people back to that platform alongside the Xbox One kind of botching their launch. Then with PlayStation 5, it worked so well with PS4. Why don't we continue to pay out these monies to different companies and continue to bring in these exclusive games? And they've done just that. And, I mean, it's been success, right? Like, the PS5 is selling extremely well. Part of that is customer loyalty from the PS4. Part of that is, hey, we're offering great titles like Spider-Man, like God of War. Of course, I want to play in that ecosystem. But another part of that is, hey, I want these third-party games, and I know Sony's going to get exclusive content in them or is going to get a year of exclusivity for them, and that's definitely a big taker. And what's one of the franchises that has earned Sony the most in that exclusive? It's Call of Duty. They've had modes that have only been PlayStation exclusive for a year. There's a mode in Vanguard that is going to release on Xbox consoles after Modern Warfare 2 releases. Literally a year-old COD game mode because of the exclusivity clause is going to launch later. So about all those friends who were on PlayStation and then on Xbox who maybe wanted to play crossplay this whole time in that mode, well, guys, it's now an option now that a new COD title is out. That, to me, is just a trash play, and I hate when either side does it. I'm totally fine if they want to keep The Last of Us, God of War, all of that PlayStation exclusive. It's first party. It makes sense. 
I don't like when either side, Nintendo included, even though they kind of do their own thing, when they pull a game that's released on multiple platforms and take modes and stuff out of it. Like John mentioned, Spider-Man. He should be playable everywhere. Disney should have stepped in, in my opinion. Uh, You look at Call of Duty in that mode. People wanted to play with their friends on different platforms. If Sony's not blocking crossplay like they used to, they're charging for it and then still taking these modes for different reasons. So it's like one of those things, and regardless, again, Sony's the one being picked on here because they've done it more recently, but I hate the idea of if the game is going to release, it should release fully on all platforms, maybe a week or two of exclusivity at most, kind of like what we see with the beta. I'm okay with that, Um, but I don't want to see a full mode locked away for a year. I think that's just obnoxious, and I don't want to see either side doing that as we move forward as a gaming industry. Now, with that being said, with this quote, so again, PlayStation talking about the negative implications of holding games exclusive, Microsoft decided to answer that, stating very simply, it makes zero business sense for Microsoft to remove Call of Duty from PlayStation, given its market-leading console position. I feel like, and I hate to be this example, but Microsoft has says this so many times, over and over. PlayStation's like, please don't take Call of Duty away. Microsoft's like, sure, we're going to keep it on your platform. What is the issue here? And Sony says the same thing over again. And it's like Groundhog Day. This argument just keeps getting brought up over and over. And I feel like personally, John, and I could be wrong, I think this deal is going to pass. I think Microsoft will acquire Activision Blizzard, but I think there will be a concession tacked onto the agreement that says, hey, Call of Duty has to stay multi-platform for 10 plus years or whatever moving forward, maybe forever. Um, And I think it's going to end up with some kind of thing like that. Um, I hope it doesn't block Game Pass because I think that's one of the main reasons for the acquisition here. Uh, With that being said, I think PlayStation, while making some points, has been a little hypocritical, like you mentioned with a lot of these as well. You know, Joey, uh, you and I are both business guys. We we, we, we enjoy uh, making good deals. We we, we enjoy maximizing profits, if you will. Um, Microsoft is spot on. It makes literally zero business business sense, and it makes zero common sense to to want to pull Call of Duty. From PlayStation. It, it literally makes no sense why you would want to do that. Uh, and Microsoft even conceded the PlayStation is the market leading console. Market leading console. Sony, you just got your number one competitor to admit you're the market leading console. Uh, why would they want to pull it? That's like saying, look, you guys have 60% of, of the console sales out there, we have 40%. Do you really think I'm going to willingly give up 60% of my income, of my of, of source of income, because I only want the 40% of gamers out there to play this game? That's stupid. That's bad business. That's just a great way to run something into the ground. Uh, it, it makes no sense. And the fact that Sony continues to harp on it and Microsoft... I feel like every time Sony says this, there's like a room full of lawyers in, in, in Microsoft that roll their eyes and say, we have to say this again. We have to put out another press release that literally says we are not willing to give up 60% of where our income comes from for console exclusivity on Call of Duty. Look, I, I, it's honestly getting to the point where it's annoying. Uh, Sony needs to shut the hell up. I mean, you know it's uh, bad and- when PlayStation fanboys on Twitter are starting to be like, okay, yeah. Sony, it's time to move on from this. That's when you know yes. it's kind of hit a limit. 
like you've you've gotten to the point now where you're that annoying kid in class. Like I picture Sony uh, being that kid in class that when the teacher's like rushing because it's like the end of the school day and like uh, you know you could tell they're they're obviously uh, in, in 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 a hurry and the teacher forgot to give a homework assignment. Sony's like, oh. I need the 60% boost here. Uh, don't forget to assign us homework. And then everyone's like, again? Again, Timothy? You're really going to raise your hand and get us homework again? Just shut up and let it happen. Everyone benefits from not having homework. Everyone's going to benefit from having Call of Duty because it makes no sense for Microsoft to pull it away from PlayStation. Right. Like, you pull it away, sure, you're going to sell a few more consoles, but... Well, I'm not going to say Microsoft doesn't want to sell consoles. Obviously, they do. But if anyone is paying attention to Microsoft for the last three years, what they're really trying to sell is Game Pass. They don't care where you're playing. You can play on console. You can play on your Samsung refrigerator, your mobile phone, your PC. However you can play the game, tablet as well. They're trying to push cloud. They're trying to push Game Pass. They want your Game Pass sub. And how are they going to get your Game Pass sub? They're going to put one of the most popular games in the world, or at least in the Western world, of Call of Duty onto that Game Pass. Once you have it on Game Pass, you say, hey... I could spend $70 on this Call of Duty game or I could get it for free over here and then have more money for cosmetics or more money to buy other games or whatever it may be. Or maybe I just save the money and invest it in the stock market like that one tweet that we mentioned here and there. Um, With that being said, uh, the market's (laughs) not doing well either, Um, but it is one of those things that, hey, like look at it overall. There's different financials here. Microsoft is a trillion dollar company, at least prior to the market crashing. And they are one of those companies that looks and analyzes these things over and over. They know how things are going to play out. They don't take these cases if they don't think they're going to go well. And they've run the numbers. They know what they need to do. They know they're going to probably keep it on the PlayStation console for a number of years into the future because that's where all the revenue is right now. Now, if a bunch of Sony players leave, then say, hey, maybe we will adjust it in the future. But for now, it makes sense to stay over there. They've even mentioned they want to port Call of Duty to the Nintendo Switch. If they're going to put it on more platforms, why are they going to take it away from other ones? So it's one of those things that I think Sony, I feel like there's more to the story here. Like, yes, they're nervous, but maybe they're just trying to make sure it doesn't get approved before the holiday window. God of War is going to sell well regardless, but if they're up against Call of Duty on Game Pass, maybe they don't sell as many consoles as they would hope to. Again, I don't 100% know the reasoning, um, but overall, I feel like this is something that Sony eventually is going to have to concede, or they're just going to go down whining while everyone else and all these other major publishers have already said, yeah, please move on with the deal. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up the gaming coverage for today. We're going to briefly hit on one esports thing and then wrap up the show for all. Again, giant week. We had showcase after showcase last week, coupled with showcases this week and then the Tokyo Game Show. Uh, So it has been a marathon to say the least. With that being said, League of Legends Worlds is on the horizon. This one taking place in October with Worlds 2022. One of, if not the biggest gaming competition of the year. Uh, It usually isn't up there in prize pool as Dota 2 does take the crown there. But as far as viewership, this one is uncontested. With that being said, we do know what those groups look like, John. Uh, We can break down the other groups later on throughout the month. But for now, let's just briefly mention the play-in groups, how about, uh, since those will be the ones coming up here first. Group A is going to be Fnatic from Europe. We have Beyond Gaming, Detonation, Focus Me, the kind of star-studded team from Japan last year. Evil Geniuses from NA, Loud, who has been making noise across the esports scene in multiple titles from Brazil, as well as Chiefs Esports Club from Australia. 
Overall, John, this first group looks interesting. Uh, I feel like the top four, uh, Fnatic is definitely a shoe-in for me. I think Evil Geniuses also has a pretty easy ride, as well as Detonation Focus Me. Uh, beyond gaming, I don't know too much about. Loud and Esports, or, or Chiefs rather, are kind of newer teams to the scene. Chiefs has been in the competition multiple times as far as League of Legends, um, but they're still a newer club overall as far as like actually making big progress in Worlds. So we'll see if they can make any noise this year. But overall, Group A looking decent, but nothing too crazy. Yeah, as I'm trying to get the anime tab over here to go. <laughs> ooh, away. Woo. Uh, here we go. There we go. Ooh, woo. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like I feel like Group A is probably the easier one to kind of predict here out of these two groups. Um, I think you made some very valid points there as well. Um, I, I think this is really Fnatic's group to lose. I, I feel like Fnatic should be able to handle uh, Group A pretty well. Um, but uh, y- you never know. I mean, Chiefs Esports has done uh, has pulled off some crazy upsets. Loud is definitely capable of it as well. Evil Geniuses, uh, dependent upon if they actually want to show up and play or not. Uh, could possibly do things. I mean, Detonation Focus Me, they pulled off some pretty crazy upsets as well. Uh, there's a lot of possibility here, but I really think this is Fnatic's group to lose. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think Fnatic has a good shot at that all this round. So we'll keep an eye on that one as we go and as we get closer to group play. Over to Group B, this one definitely scarier. Uh, you have DRX over there from South Korea. You have Royal Never Give Up from the LPL of China. Saigon Buffalo making their way from Vietnam. Mad Lions from EU. The Istan Wildcats from, uh, again, an EU region as well. And then Isaris. Uh, overall, this one, to me, I think has a pretty clear top three. I do think it's going to be DRX, Royal Never Give Up, and Mad Lions. But do not count out the Buffalo. They've made noise before, some big upsets. I think they could do the same here. Uh, unfortunately for Istanbul and Isaris, it is going to be a very, very tough swim into that top four. Yeah, I, I think the top four could potentially be an absolute bloodbath in this group. Uh, a lot of these teams have the talent on the rift to pull off upsets. Uh, and a lot of teams here have the talent to just absolutely decimate any other team in this group. Uh, it really comes down to what we always talk about. The draft uh, comes down to their play style, uh, their their macro and, and micro game management, their objective management. Uh, you know, it, there's just so many factors that are going to go into it, like every game of League of Legends. Um, but that top four in Group B could really be an absolute massive bloodbath. Um, and I'm here for it. I mean, that's what you want to see in the group playing stage. You want to see the best team go forward. Uh, this is where upsets start. You know, if we're going to see uh, an Istanbul Wildcats pull off a crazy upset and win the group and somehow punch their way uh, into group play for Worlds, you know, that's going to be exciting. People are going to tune in for that. That That's going to be everyone loves a good underdog story. Um, is that going to happen in Group B? Most likely not. Uh, this group is absolutely terrifying if you're in, the, in if you're in this group and you're not in that top four uh, or top three. Um, but, yeah, I have a feeling Group B is going to be an absolute bloodbath. And uh, I think it's going to make for great entertainment. Yeah, definitely some good fans. stuff here. So, again, guys, just a quick recap of how the play ins work. One team will auto bid into the group stage from Group A and one from Group B. From there, there's a slight playoff format that'll happen. Group A is number two seed. We'll go up against the winner of number three and four from the B group and vice versa for the other group. So there will be four teams advancing in total, two of them getting the auto bid, two of them winning through a knockout playoff. 
and then they will fill in the rest of the group stage. Because there's four EU teams that have a chance, there is a little bit of a different rule where EU teams can be drawn into a group with another EU team this year. Uh, that will be the first time that has ever happened in world's history if it does end up happening. So definitely something to keep an eye on as we get closer to that eventual draw once the play in group stage plays out. With that being said, John, we were packed full of all different content. Ran a little bit longer than I was thinking we were going to, but the nostalgia hit us hard on this one, and it was nice to touch about the N64. Uh, with that being said, we've touched on a lot of showcases. We touched on LOL Worlds. Now we're going to touch on this closing and then wrap up today's show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You can catch more otnmedia.org. Ah, uh, yes, of course. The, the quick wrap-up, and I got to get everything ready to go. Cue the music. <laughs> we're there. All right, Nation, that is going to do it for this edition of Level Up Live. Before you go, head on over. Make sure you follow the show on Twitch so you can head on over there to catch your next episode of Level Up Live. This is what happens when you catch me off guard, Joey. If you listen to the show on the podcast version feed, sure, we're going to just butcher this whole thing up. Leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and anywhere else. You can find a podcast on your podcatcher of choice. We would love to hear from you. In fact, we love to hear from our community so much that I'm going to shut up and Joey's going to tell you where to go to reach out to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Thanks Joey. for that intro, John. You guys can head over to Twitter and find us at Level Up Live. That is LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the umbrella company, OTN Media, as well. Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media and on Instagram at OTN underscore media. We've actually started posting on there more, so go ahead and give it a follow again at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, if you like what we do here and want to check out more streams, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show, Level of Live, Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, make sure you tune in next Thursday. That is September 22nd. As we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news, do your ears and eyes a favor, hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level up. up.